On today's episode, I spoke with Nick Lafferty about freelance marketing and how solopreneurs can grow their business through advising. Nick is a former growth marketer at companies like Loom and Mailgun, and now he advises tech companies on running profitable ads. So let's dive right into this episode. First and foremost, I would like to just kind of level set and give people an idea of of where you're coming from, what your background is, and what you're mostly focused on today um, as as you're coming to join us. So welcome in, and would love to just learn a little bit more about your background. Yeah, my my background is I've been in growth marketing for tech startups, mostly on the the B2B SaaS side for the last 10 years. I got my start doing paid search at a lead gen company uh, many years ago, and then have kind of like moved my way through different B2B companies. I worked at Mailgun, which is an email API company. Most recently was at Loom for a couple of years, and they were just acquired by Atlassian, which was a super fun experience to get to go through. And then recently, I left all that behind to build my own growth marketing consulting company. And I write about that on LinkedIn a lot and in my newsletter called The Early Exit Club. Yeah. What, what was it about going off on your own that was attractive to you? And, and why do you think more people should consider doing that? Yeah. I think marketers especially uh, are perfectly positioned to go work for themselves. And a lot of that comes from having almost uncapped earning potential when you work for yourself versus when you're, you're in-house, you're tied to performance review cycles and budgets and the health of the company. And you're not diversified from an income standpoint, where now I have multiple consulting clients that I get to go out and diversify my, my income. And so that was a big driver and something that really motivated me. And just, I also wanted more control and optionality over my career. And, you know, I had to go through layoffs, you know, when the, that whole kind of like tech purge was, was happening last year. And I didn't want to have to go through that again. And as those companies were building their own optionality and they were building their own runway, I was like, why don't I do that for myself? And so I went out and found some advising opportunities and just kind of like scaled from there, but it was mostly just optionality and like uncapped earning potential. Walk, walk us through a little bit the overview of, of what you're building now. So one person business, I'm guessing, and then what, what are all the different offerings or different channels that you're using to grow that business? Yeah. And so where I focus now is I do uh, Google ads and LinkedIn ads, you know, growth consulting for B2B SaaS companies from seed to series C is kind of like the, the sweet spot for me. And, and so I'm just taking everything I've learned, all the stuff I was doing in-house as a marketer for the last 10 years and applying that to other companies. And so I'll come in and audit their campaigns. I'll provide suggestions, optimizations, and just run everything myself, you know, hitting either their like self-serve like ARR targets or any kind of like demand gen pipeline, pipeline targets as well. So that's kind of like how I have everything structured. Most things are a flat retainer if I'm doing operational work, like running campaigns, which is all the same stuff I was also doing in-house too. Or on the advising side is purely like informational where I come in, we have a call a couple times a month. I give uh, typically founders or head of growth homework every week of like, go do this, go do that, research this. And then we come back and check in, like keep them accountable. I give them expertise and advice. And that's typically how my, my work is structured. And I started doing this when I was full-time too. So I was kind of double dipping on the full-time income side and on the advising side, which is a great way to step into working for yourself without the full scary commitment of quitting your job. For sure. Yeah. So in terms of building out the business, then how do you balance the actual work that you're doing with the work you need to do to promote your business and actually grow it? Yeah. I mean, the, the best thing I did was post on LinkedIn that I was doing this, like 
I launched my newsletter a few weeks after I quit my last full-time job and instantly got a couple hundred subscribers and also motivation. I think the thing about building in public is you're accountable and you get motivation when people sign up to follow along with your journey or your newsletter or whatever. And so for me early on, I didn't have as many clients when I first started. I had two that were strictly advisory. So pretty low on the income side and also low on the hours side. And then over time, I've added on and graduated a few clients into more like operational retainer type type of stuff. But um, early on, it was easy to balance because I didn't have that much client work. Now it's flipped where most of my time is 90% client work, 10%, uh, you know, growing the business, writing on LinkedIn, you know, I do a newsletter every week. And so I, ha I have to make time for that because that's important. And there's a direct correlation of I post on LinkedIn, I get more subscribers every single time. And so having that tight feedback loop and just being a marketer and being tight with, with attribution, and that has been really fun to watch and grow. And that motivates me too. Of like when I'm not posting, when I'm not growing, when I'm too in the weeds on my business, then I know I'm not thinking long-term, I'm thinking too, too short-term. And so having to, to balance that is honestly a continual challenge, but um, I'm getting better every month. How does the newsletter fit into the to the rest of the business? How do you how do you use it? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like in terms of growing, in terms of just being helpful, like how how do you think about all the different ways that your newsletter is contributing to what you're doing? Yeah, so my newsletter is different. Like most solopreneurs who kind of do what I do, their newsletter is a funnel to help them find new clients where they'll, they'll talk through like marketing strategies and campaigns and all of that. And really my newsletter audience is all of my competitors. It's other solopreneurs, it's other consultants, it's other freelancers. I want to help build everyone else up. So my newsletter really isn't a funnel to my consulting business. And like the honest answer is I have more inbound interest in my consulting work than I can work myself. And so I use my newsletter to offload and to refer potential clients who want to work with me, I refer them to other people in in my network for zero cost. I don't get any kind of financial gains out of it. It's just purely like altruistic thing. And I really just wanted to build in public and share my journey. And as someone who worked, you know, a you know, normal nine to five job for for many years and the idea of quitting and leaving all that behind and the health insurance and the benefits and the options was scary. And so I wanted to talk about that, give my perspective and help other people go and work for themselves because I'm just a true believer now in the the optionality and the benefits of solopreneurship compared to working in in-house. And so I just my goal is just to empower other people and help other people work for themselves and build an audience. And who knows, maybe down the road I'll launch software. You know, like having thousands of subscribers is, you know, there's no better way to launch a product to a solopreneur audience than, you know, to build up that audience before you build the product. And so uh, TBD on what, on what comes next, but like for now, it's just, I want to be as helpful as possible. If, if you took a step back to when you were kind of just starting off, double dipping a little bit, still full-time, but thinking about making the leap, how did you identify what your messaging was, what your positioning was, like who, how did you know who your audience should be and how you were going to serve them? Yeah. I mean, I wanted, the honest answer is I wanted to write the newsletter that I wanted to read myself when I was going through this and I was working full time, stressed about work life and layoffs and tech industry not doing well. And so I wanted to follow someone else's journey who would just start it because there's tons of solopreneurs out there the justin welsh is who he just crossed like five million dollars in income for his business and i'm not there it's gonna take me a long time to get there so i wanted like the solopreneur's guide for the little person for like the new the new person just starting out and so that's a lot of what what motivated me is like what content 
I wanted to write. I've always enjoyed writing. So I think that it was really easy for me to kind of angle and just go on like the newsletter side versus, you know, a TikTok or a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever. So I picked a path of least resistance. I wrote about what I wanted to know when I was first starting out. And when I, I'm still very new, I've only been doing this for, for six months. And so I, that, was, that was my angle, which is helping people who were in the same spot as I was. Well, going into that a little bit deeper, even what are you, what are you, what's your thought on niching? Like how broad should you look to go? How, how narrow should you look to go? Or does it matter? Yeah, I think, I mean, I had kind of figured that out as I went. Like I, my idea was kind of like a YOLO idea of like, oh, I want to start a newsletter and just tell everyone how much money I make every month. It seemed crazy. No one else was doing it. And that was just kind of like the thrust of what, what my, my idea was, was there. And so I think I'm stumbling into a niche now that is uh, a newsletter for, you know, current freelancers who, you know, just want tips and to pick other people's brains of, you know, how much should I, should I charge? How do I raise my rates? Can I ask for equity in some of these companies? Like figure finding other people who are going through and finding that, that same journey. But for a long time, my audience was fragmented. It was uh, my friends and family who were just like there for the vibes. There was people like me who had just quit their job or were laid off and are trying to like navigate this new financial situation for them and their families. And there are people who are still in their jobs debating if they want to quit or not. And so I've kind of like figured out my niche as I went. So I, I did start broad and I'm kind of narrowing in now that it's it's growing because uh, as marketers, you know, you can't talk to everyone you have to kind of eventually narrow and pick one audience and one and one topic and it's definitely something i'm still figuring out but i was broad i was like any solopreneur or aspiring solopreneur and then i'm kind of like every week i'm starting to refine who i'm talking to the kind of content i'm making the resources i'm building and kind of going from there if you were giving advice to a new freelancer marketing freelancer that kind of had like an idea of what they're good at, but didn't really know the business model side of things. What would, how would you boil that down and do its clearest principles for them? This, this is the business model that you should probably start out with. Do X, Y, and Z in this order, and then you can move on to this. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. I mean, I think starting with advising is probably the easiest path to get started. And advising for me is like simply, uh, you know, hopping on a call with a client two hours, two hours a month, four hours a month, you know, every two weeks or once a week, basically, and just kind of giving them advice, walking them through. Like I talked to a founder yesterday who just had all these questions for me. He's like, Hey, we just launched this Chrome extension. We're doing this. We have a new website and a product hunt launch. He just like needed help. And there's tons of people out there who don't have the knowledge you have that would pay or give you equity in exchange for you trading your knowledge to them. And I think that's the best way for anyone to start, especially if you have a full-time job right now and you want to kind of double dip or see what's what's going on, is to start with advising. And it can be as simple as DMing people on LinkedIn, reaching out to old former bosses or coworkers and saying, hey, I'm doing this. Do you know anyone who needs help? And then like pick, I mean, I tell people to pick your best skill set, pick what you're best at. And um, for me, it's you know running ads for people, you know, Google ads. LinkedIn ads is that's my thing. And so that's where I grow and I graduate clients into like operational consulting where I'm running that stuff for them. But if someone needs SEO, someone needs affiliate, if someone needs product marketing help, like I'm not the person. And so really understanding what are your skills? What are you good at? What are you efficient at too? Like I can do SEO. I can help with these other areas, but it's not the best, most efficient use of my time. And it's also not my best skill, which means I'm not best positioned to deliver success for the client either. 
So really it's all about starting with advising is kind of the easiest path and then pick the one thing you're good at and just start reaching out to people who you used to work with, former bosses, all of that stuff, and then see if you can get one. And then once you have one client, finding the second one is just as easy as asking that first client, hey, do you know anyone else who needs help? Yeah. And I think the natural wall you're going to hit after you get really good at that eventually is the time constraint of, I can only do this so much uh, because yeah. it's all tied. It's a service tied to your time, your calendar. Once you get to that point, assuming you're kind of committed to keeping solo and not just hiring a bunch of people to keep that rolling and turn it into a real agency, what would be the natural, logical way to try to continue building something meaningful, but that isn't tied to your time as much? Yeah, I think I mean, that's my ultimate goal is to build something where I can continue to make income without trading my time for it. And it's it's hard. And so I think when you're there, and especially when you've been working in a career for a long time, you have all of this knowledge. And there's a big trend right now of people productizing their knowledge. And so I just released my first kind of premium product, which is a growth playbook I've used with a bunch of my consulting clients. And what I did is I just took a step back and realized that I was running the same tactics with multiple of my clients at the same time because they were working everywhere I was trying. And so, and I thought, how do I package this all up and give it away as a course, a lesson, a playbook? Mine's just a simple like five page notion document that I just clearly spell out like the steps in this, in this playbook. And then I package it up, put it on Gumroad, 70 bucks later, that's kind of my first, my first digital product. And so that's a great way to take things that you've done and learned in your career and package it up and earn income from that without trading your time for it. Um, and the, the other extreme option is you, you quit your job, you go all in on this business that you're, you're building, which is the, the, the scary part too. For sure. Let, let's, let's talk about building in public. This is kind of something that you have alluded to throughout. Um, especially with sharing numbers, sharing your revenue, something that you've, you've talked about here. What's the right balance there for, for people to, to build in public the right way? Because there are some people that will say sharing your numbers doesn't do anything. Other people say it's everything and you should be doing that like crazy. Where do you lie in that spectrum and how do you think building in public is done best? Yeah. I mean, I'm probably on the extreme end of this where like my first finance, my, my first financial email to my subscribers was here's exactly how much money I made last month. And here's exactly how much money I spent, like just to live like my mortgage, my health insurance, everything. So like full kind of transparent stuff. And um, the amazing thing is I would get responses back from people like, wow, this is so inspiring to me. It's so scary to go and make a jump like this. And the numbers you're posting aren't crazy. Like back then I was earning a couple thousand a month from consulting. So it was like nothing insane, no Justin Welsh numbers yet. And so the relatability helped people resonate with my story and they kind of wanted to, to follow along. So I'd say no number is probably too small to get started from a, a build in, in public kind of perspective. And um, I found that there's a balance between, because my build in public funnel is I post on LinkedIn and LinkedIn drives to my newsletter. And so I want to keep the meaty good stuff in the newsletter to get, take my audience off of LinkedIn to a place where I'm in more, more in control of them getting the message I want them to get every week. And so that's kind of my path of teasing enough on LinkedIn, posting consistently about what I'm doing to build interest and then keeping the good stuff in, in the newsletter is kind of a, a carrot to get people to subscribe and follow along because that's ultimately more valuable for me than subscribers on, on LinkedIn. But yeah, I'm on the extreme end of, of build in public. And I think that's the way to go. And 
marketers like that. And the people I've talked to, all of my subscribers love the, the transparency about everything going on there. And so I would say be as transparent or build in public as much as you're comfortable with. Uh, I definitely had like a candid conversation with my wife. I was like, hey, I want to do this. And she was like, okay, I trust you. And so there's like that aspect too of, you know, making sure your, your family is, is okay with what, with what you're doing. Right. And, and for LinkedIn, really quickly, as we kind of wrap things up here, I, I'd like to get some of your tips on, especially inspiration for content. When you're building by yourself, it's not quite the same as being in a company where you've just constantly got people with ideas and stuff. It's, it's all you. So when you're thinking about content strategy, building in public on LinkedIn, where do your ideas come from? They, so my, my ideas come from having calls with other people. So my, my LinkedIn hack is a lot of people think that LinkedIn content is shallow. It's a lot of, uh, you know, one, one line text all the way down of like stories or people, you know, you know, had this adverse situation that they, they overcame. And to me, the magic of LinkedIn is getting past that and getting people on a conversation, like having a Zoom call with, with people. So like my LinkedIn DMs are just filled with me talking to people I meet and engage with on platforms saying, hey, do you want to hop on a call? Do you want to have coffee? Do you want to go to lunch? And then those calls, I get to sit and get to meet these people and have longer form conversations. And typically I'll go in with like a quick agenda of like, hey, this is like what I'm looking for, like what I'm looking to learn from you. And so I'll like spend half of my time asking them questions and then reserve the other half to let them pepper me with questions. And in 30 minutes, you can easily go through a couple of questions per person and fill up the entire time. And so that's what inspires me and where I get inspiration from is I have customer calls with my ideal audience on LinkedIn. And then I take those and look for themes and then build out my content roadmap of LinkedIn of posts to talk about the things that come up on those calls. And I dump it all in a Notion document and kind of keep tabs of what's drafted, what's published and all of, all of that stuff. And so that's most of it. And then the bulk is replying to comments, uh, like engaging with, with other people. And like LinkedIn to me is community building. It's me taking time to go and find other, other peers, other people in the same situation and just engaging with them. And I don't want anything. I'm not asking these people to pay me or help me find consulting clients. Like I just want to make friends, which is like a weird, a weird thing to say, but it's, it's true. Like I, I go on there with honest intentions of I'll give away more of my time for free upfront, like without asking anything in return. And you do that over and over and over again, you'll make genuine relationships that will pay off three months, six months down the road. And then you'll get content ideas by just engaging with people in your, your core, like ICP. Last question for you here. And then, and then we'll wrap things up. If you're just looking at the, the tech stack that you use to run your business, what are two or three of the tools that you really just couldn't live without if they went away? Yeah. Uh, number one tool for me is superhuman, the email client, hundred percent worth it. It's 30 bucks a month. Uh, every, every time you sign up, when you sign up, you get a onboarding call with them where they will go and like unscrew up your email, which is perfect. Everyone's inbox is, is generally a mess. So that's my number one. Number two is a uh, calendar app called BimCal. It's kind of like Calendly where you can make booking links, but it's also within a calendar app too. And you can make personalized booking links. And so those two things I use to run 90% of my business and everything else is just like gravy on top. Like you throw Notion in there and that's like a perfect tech stack for me. 